As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities hope your holidays have been bright thus far ho ho hope your holidays (laughs) (laughs) it's volume two of the box of oddities christmas collection or holiday collection if you will and um, it's always fun to look back. And this time of year, it's the perfect time to do that. Editing this, I do not remember talking about these things at all. So it's a good thing we have an Excel sheet. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I don't even remember. And shout out to these. Zach, who has been keeping our Excel sheet for years. Thank you. We appreciate that. By the way, if you notice on the numbering of this episode, it says this is our 500th episode. Not really true because I don't want to count the episodes that are kind of a collection of previous yeah, episodes. compilations or bonuses or anything like that. So I think that we're really at about uh, 495 Okay. at this point. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And we have, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have planned nothing for our 500th, correct? Right. Correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we've talked about a lot of different ideas, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we never acted on any of them. But no. we'll do something in retrospect. We'll, you know, we'll look back on it and say, yeah, this is what we're doing for our 500th episode. And it might be like our 520th episode that we actually do it. But uh, we, for those of you who've hung out with us for all four years. Well, we talked to Jim last night, Jim Browning, and he started listening to us on our second episode. He's one of the patrons that was on the Zoom call last night. Can you imagine? That's great. We really appreciate you guys yeah. so much. And actually, this will be it'll be five years we've done this podcast uh, this coming March. No. That's crazy. Holiday topics. We're going to relive some dangerous toys. 
Yeah, so I'm trying to get my holiday shopping done, and that made me think about, remember that toy drive we were involved in, uh, about, well, we're still involved in it, about 10 years ago, there was uh, a one one gift that was donated, and it was a little baby doll that, even though it was wrapped, <gasps> it started talking yes. inside the wrapping. That was the year that I made the mistake of volunteering to wrap all of the gifts for, like, I think seven hours. <laughs> it was a bad time. It was, it was a time where we didn't see much of each other. Uh, but this doll, I swear it said, Islam is the light. You remember? Uh-huh. And, and I remember just, people saying that. Well, but. it would just go off by itself. You'd be walking down the hall and inside a pile of wrapped packages, you'd hear Islam is the light. And and I remember there being a debate about whether or not that was being said right. or whether or not it even happened. As the years went by, people started referring to it as, as an urban legend. But it really did happen. And I looked it up online and, and we're not the only people to experience it. I actually found a clip of it. Listen. Sounds like Islam is the light to me, but even the Internet is calling it uh, an urban legend. Yeah. It's because it, it is. It's not an urban legend. It's, it's like the time that our coworker insisted that uh, the line in uh, You're the One That I Want from the Grease soundtrack was John Travolta. <laughs> well, that's just a misheard lyric. That's not an urban legend. There is a difference. Well, I I would consider that a misheard lyric. Okay. It's I, just a baby doll lyric. Okay. All right. But in turn, that reminded me of a friend who uh, who had little kids with. Uh, remember those Furbies? Yeah. And one night, the spies. Furby, yeah, they were spies, like Alexa is. Oops, sorry, I activated your Alexa again, didn't I? <laughs> uh, all right, Rabbit Trail. Uh, the last episode, we weaved into our dialogue Alexa ordering butt plugs and things like that, mm-hmm. and we got several uh, comments and emails from people saying that's not funny. <laughs> 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 One lady said that she kept her she keeps her echo on the nightstand. And even though some of the other people said that uh, they were crying with laughter, uh, she said she was not doing that. She was too busy uh, canceling all the orders for the butt plugs. We didn't say to order butt plugs. We said add them to the shopping list. Right. We didn't. We would never order butt plugs. Alexa, order. Don't. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> So Furby wakes up in the middle of the night and starts jibber jabbering and scares the crap out of these two little girls. Mm -hmm. The parents come into the room and they can't get it, can't get the Furby to stop talking. And so they take the batteries out of it and it still continues to talk for a while. (laughs) Haunted toy. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because it is the holiday season. I'm sure that a lot of people are buying toys for for the little ones or for themselves. Sure. These are uh, experiences from Redditors of toys that scared the living crap out of them. I sure hope that uh, Teddy Ruxpin running out of batteries is on that list. (laughs) Probably is. that's terrifying. (laughs) Let's read a story. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. Ice Phoenix 18 wrote, I had a little plush bunny from Easter that played music when you squeezed its tummy. I kept it in a drawer in my closed closet. One morning at 5 a.m., I woke up to something landing on my stomach. It was the bunny playing the music incredibly slowly. What? (laughs) I got up and threw it in the hallway because it scared me so much. When uh, my mom came to wake me up, I asked her if the bunny was still there, and she said, no, there was no bunny in the hallway. And it wasn't in the dresser. It had disappeared. What? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and what is it about uh, 
music from those little animated toys that when it's playing slow, like a music box winding down, it just such a, a creepy atmosphere it creates. Twat Waffle 83 writes. <laughs> That's magical. You know, those cheapy plastic dolls that you can get at craft stores that you can knit or crochet elaborate dresses for. Sure. They were popular with uh, old ladies. Uh, she says, my mom received one of these dolls with a purple and white dress from an elderly neighbor lady not long before the lady passed away. My mom had a blue armchair in her bedroom and she kept the doll on it. The doll would just sit on it. She would always keep the door open. Every time I would pass the room, the doll would turn its head and look at me. My nephew, who is not much younger than me, experienced the same thing. I had nightmares about that doll. Eventually, my mom gave it away, and I was beyond relieved. I would imagine. Nyang Tori writes, When I was younger, about 10 or 12 years old, I remember my mom had two Minnie and Mickey Mouse toys. They were about as tall as a five-year-old child and really old. A friend of my grandmother gave them to my mom, and she gave them to me. I used to play with them and sleep with them, but after a while, I started noticing some weird stuff happening with the toys. One day, I left Mickey on my bed with Minnie in the living room, so I went to the kitchen because my mom was talking to me. When I came back, Mickey was close to the door of the bedroom, like he was trying to get out, and it happened over and over and over again in different parts of the house. The toys kept moving from one part of the house to another. I always asked mom if she was moving them, and she said no. So, yeah. Now, it, I, I feel very differently about this depending on how and when they're moving. So he said that the... Minnie doll was in the living room and the Mickey doll was in the bedroom, right? Yeah. So was Mickey trying to get to Minnie? Were they always intending to be together? That's sweet and demonic. That, but that if is. it's um, if it's just moving around for funsies, that's just terrifying. Yeah. No, I think probably Mickey was trying to sneak out for some sexy time. Ew. Zansky writes, when I was a little kid, I used to sleep with a bed full of soft toys. I had my large bears and Noah, which was the awesome polar bear that has never left my side since I got him. I fell asleep after a few hours, but something woke me up after my mom had gone to bed. It was about one or two o'clock in the morning. I could hear something. I stayed very still and I listened. Then I felt it. One of my soft toys climbed over me and slid down the side of my bed and onto the floor with a thud. I tried to catch it moving. It was just standing next to my bed. It was a floppy bear, and it, it couldn't stand on its own. I grabbed it and asked it what the hell it was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't say anything or move. I dumped it back on my bed and fell asleep. After a while, I made sure all the dolls and soft toys, apart from Noah, left my room after that. I've tried to rationalize it since then. I was pretty young, and it happened. When it happened, I was under 10, but... I remember it so clearly. I wasn't dreaming. I know I wasn't dreaming. Good God in heaven. I love the idea of, uh, like, interrogating a plush toy. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? It's bedtime. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Alira 1228 writes, When I was seven or eight years old, my dad gave me a Madame Alexander doll, which started my love for beautiful, beautiful porcelain dolls. Uh-oh. Mm. porcelain dolls. Mm -mm. My mom's boyfriend learned this and got me a, quote, cheap porcelain doll for Christmas. It had one of those wind-up things on the back, and, would, and it played Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. What? <laughs> That's insane. 
Jane. I just can't imagine Slash and Axel licensing Sweet Child of Mine to a porcelain doll company. But... I'm guessing it was ripped off. <laughs> yeah, probably. She said, I liked it at first until the middle of the night. It would start playing by itself. <laughs> It moved to the very back of my closet after that, and then I left it there, where I took my sister's room when she moved out. My brother, who inherited the old room, said he found the doll because he would hear it play in the middle of the night. Sweet child of mine. I think I've told you my my porcelain doll story, Um, the, the clown doll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, my uh, my dad bought me porcelain dolls um, until eventually I had to say, "Dad, I don't like porcelain dolls." Um, but and that was a tough conversation because I knew it would hurt his feelings. But let's not get into that. <laughs> the point was we uh, we watched it the miniseries when it was on TV originally. Right. And uh, my stepmother, of course, was like, don't let her watch that. She's too young. And my dad was like, ah, she's fine. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then uh, <laughs> so I watched it and I was immediately uh, enmeshed emotionally with Tim Curry. Again, t- not the point. But then <laughs> I went to bed and one of the porcelain dolls that my dad had purchased for me was a clown doll. Oh, no. And it was on one of those stands, so it did stand up, but the stand was bent, so it leaned over ever so slightly, and it was leaning over my bed. So the shelves were over my bed, and the dolls kind of leaning over. So when I woke up and I saw the clown leaning over me as I slept... (laughs) um, Yeah, I kind of had one of those weird nightmare things where it turned into real life and you weren't sure what was real and what wasn't. So I went into my parents' room to uh, rouse them as I was afraid. Sure. And uh, my dad was just impossible to wake up notoriously. That just wasn't going to happen. So I went over to my stepmother's side of the bed and it made me nervous to wake her up in the middle of the night. So I I tapped on her shoulder ever so delicately um, and then uh, whispered her name, which is Donnelline. So uh, light tapping and Donnelline. (laughs) Donnelline. Um, to which she woke up screaming, uh. threw her arms out at me and grabbed a hold of me. I was terrified. So I leapt into the air, uh, peed myself mm-hmm. and um, then just started screaming. My dad woke up and what the hell is going on? And I'm urinating and she's screaming and my dad's yelling. And <laughs> eventually it all got sorted out. I got put on the couch to watch Crocodile Dundee. Uh, but then, unfortunately, on the tape that my dad had taped several movies on to, as he did. Uh, the second movie was A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, which oh, was wow. uh, much too adult-themed for me. You so it was, about... it was a dramatic night. So all in one night, a clown made you pee, and you learned about sex. Yeah, it was rough. It was a rough one. I think you did really well, though, Thank because... You. I would have peed the moment I had seen the clown staring down at me. (laughs) That would have been it. Uh, Time to change the linens. Good evening, Katrina. Raptor fetus wrote, (laughs) When I was about eight, I was obsessed with robot dogs and cats. But on my ninth birthday... Oh, I love how you say robot. It's because I grew up eight feet from the Canadian border. Robot dogs and cats. But on my ninth birthday, we went to the toy shop and there was a mini robot uh, that had games in its tiny tummy screen. It could talk to you, you know, really basic stuff. He would do dances and you could plug him into the computer with a USB and give him commands. I thought that was amazing. Anyway, in the middle of the night, my mom was woken up by someone yelling 
She came in to check on me and my siblings and then went back to bed. She kept listening for it. Then again, she heard, Hello? Is anybody there? What? Mom was getting creeped out by now. Sure. She checked on us all again and we were still sleeping and then, Hello? Is anybody there? She woke me up and turned on the light. It was freaking us all out. We both looked around for the source of this creepy fuckery. Then we found the robot dancing around under some other toys, wanting to play. I got rid of him soon after, because he would turn himself on and demand attention, that creepy little bastard. <laughs> oh my. Brittany writes, uh, my mother used to have this doll that she kept next to my bed. I'm, I'm seeing a trend here. Most of these are dolls mm. or, or robots. <laughs> my mother used to have this doll that she kept next to her bed. I'm sure it used to be cute. Uh, but at the time, it looked like it came from the Island of Dolls. Oh. This doll had one of those strings that you would pull, and it admitted adorable girly giggles and squeals. Except the speaker in it was mildly busted. <clears throat> the sound was slowed down to a terrifying guttural... <laughs> followed by a banshee-esque shriek. Once started, it wouldn't shut up, even after I moved, removed the batteries. Every time you looked at it, it would never be in quite the same place as it was before. It's very Charles Lee Ray. I don't know who this is from. It just says a former Reddit user. I had a toy that was dangerous to my mental health. It was called Amazing Amy. I remember that doll. I do not. I remember the ads for it. It was interactive, and it came with a bunch of accessories. It would say things like, Mommy, I want more peas. And you were supposed to take the spoon for the peas that had a little, a little sensor in it, and when you touched it to her mouth, she would react. Unfortunately, the sensors in mine didn't work properly. So I would feed it the peas, and it would say something like, Me no want cookie, me want peas. And then it would get progressively angrier the more you got it wrong <laughs> when my dad walked in on me crying and slamming my pea spoon into her face <laughs> with all the force my tiny little arms were capable of he decided i'd had enough because i was attached to it for some warped perverted reason i just uh, took out the batteries but it didn't stop working oh my goodness Hellion23 writes, I had a Sauron figure with voice and light up eyes. I picked it up in the dark once and it hissed, I see you. And its eyes flashed red. I dropped it in shock and it said, you cannot hide. I think that's just how that toy is supposed to work. Sure, but I can see where that would freak me the hell out. Intrigued writes, I have a creepy little China doll in my room. It was given to me by my grandmother. As you might imagine, it scared the hell out of me, and I never touched it. The thing has been sitting in exactly the same spot for 13 years. One day, I was getting ready for school. I heard a soft thud behind me. I turned around, and I saw the doll's hat had flown off its head and landed in the middle of the room. I just quietly turned around and finished getting dressed before booking it the hell out. Yeah, just pretend that it didn't happen. Pretend that it didn't happen. Remain calm. Skitter away, skitter away. When I was young, we lived in a split-level ranch, uh, and for some 
ungodly reason, I don't know. Uh, whoever designed the electrical business in that house um, didn't think about the fact that a child person uh, like myself would not want to have to go all the way downstairs in order to turn the stairs light off. Ah. So I'd have to go all the way down the stairs, turn the light off, and then go back up the stairs in the dark. And that period in time every night when I'd have to do that was the most terrifying time of my life. <laughs> that was when, you know, back of the ankles, you know, they're like, uh, they going <sighs> to grab you. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, ugh. I can still feel that feeling in my chest like that. Ugh, and then the right up the stairs. It's because you watched the miniseries of it at a very early age. We're traumatized. Well, the back of the the back of the foot thing was probably Pet Cemetery, but yeah, whatever. Whatever. Terrifying toys are one thing. Outright dangerous toys are another. I was, click, <laughs> I fell into a click hole on YouTube and I was watching television ads from the 60s for toys that were coming out. Yeah. There was one where you put this little cap on and it had a rope on it with a weight and you'd swing it around with your head. I'm thinking, oh, sure. Whiplash. Right. Good and God. that thing's smashing you in the face. Yeah. And there was also a click clacks. They were based on an Australian weapon that was used to trip ostriches. Jeez. <laughs> and you would you just flip them up and down. And they were basically these really heavy plastic balls that would click together and go up and then click on the top and click on the bottom. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Like that. Yeah. I'm surprised there weren't more deaths involving click clacks. Which, of course, makes me think of that old Saturday Night Live sketch bag of glass <laughs> yeah that's exactly right hey kids hey get your bag it's of, a bag of glass get your glass shots <laughs> terrifying toy stories which i would love to have pixar do as their <laughs> next installment yes please i've got to tell you the longer we've had our aura frame the more i love it i have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer this message is sponsored by green light you know as your kids get older there are some things about parenting that gets easier i remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece if you put your pants on i'll give you some fresca and when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right it's a lot easier to manage them 
Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. In volume one of our holiday collection... Here on Box of Oddities, you talked a little bit about holiday traditions. Yeah. Some weird ones. Well, weird to us. Okay. Cultural for others. Odd. From our perspective, odd. Right. Uh, As our traditions may appear to be odd to people in other parts of the world. Christmas Eve Big Macs. Yeah. Or just hanging stockings up for people to put stuff in. You know, when you take a step back from it, when you zoom out, it's pretty weird. Anyway... You didn't hit all of them. <laughs> so here's some more. Okay, I feel attacked, but fine. As we are within the holiday season, I thought it would be really fun to explore some fun holiday traditions worldwide. Ooh. And we're going to start in Oaxaca in Mexico in 1897. Uh, Oaxaca's mayor officially declared December 23rd to be the Noche de los Rabanos, or Night of the Radishes. Sounds like a really bad horror movie. Not scary at all, (laughs) but but delicious and nutritious. (laughs) So each year, um, artisans come out into the streets and they will make or whittle, uh, transform, if you will, (laughs) radishes into alligators and churches and portraits of celebrities and, of course, nativity scenes and many other creations. Radish whittling. It began as a way to try to attract shoppers. Of course, uh, church services are coming out Mm -hmm. and people need holiday gifts. So uh, they would line up outside the church doors uh, with their finely crafted radishes to garner attention. Sounds like it would be more like they were garnishing attention. Oh! What? <laughs> what? See what I did there. You're so good. Uh, you're so you're so good. Yeah. You're so, you're so okay. Um so yeah, in addition to the beautiful gifts that they would then be selling, uh, people would also buy their radish and other vegetable creations uh, to put on like as a centerpiece for their table, oh, for their for their Christmas night table. Wow. Which is pretty amazing, I think. And since I am a vegetable whittler from way back, (laughs) 
uh, I appreciate the skill that goes into it. You okay. have never whittled a radish in your life. I did go through a real cheese carving phase. Oh, you did? Yeah. My dad would buy like enormous blocks of cheese because the bigger a portion of something you buy, the better deal it is, regardless of price. Uh, uh, sure. It, yeah. It's just the way that my dad's brain works. Right, so right. we'd have these huge blocks of cheese available to us. And I would uh, bring them places and my friends and I would carve the cheese. Really? What did what did you carve? Oh, you know, just things like a life size Buick. I'm sure at one point I <laughs> I carved a cow because I went through a real cow period where I was <laughs> obsessed with cows. Uh-huh. And so I'm sure that happened at one point. Uh, and my friend who will remain unnamed, though, if you know her, you know who I'm talking about, has uh, ginormous uh, bazoongas, if uh, you will. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure I carved her a time or two. Wait, wait. And was all like, look at these cheese boobs I made for you. You, <laughs> you carved cheese boobs. I'm sure I did. I'm this sure is a holiday tradition I can get behind. <laughs> um, in Catalonia, which is a region in Spain, You'll notice that the nativity scenes, or it, it's called a creche, right? Mm-hmm. Is the creche and the nativity scene interchangeable? Is that just I don't know the two? specifics, but yes, I think if you said either one of those things, I would it would make me think of the same thing. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily no. Okay, all right. We'll just we'll say nativity scene. Okay. Um. So you know all the the usual characters that you'll see in there. Mm-hmm. You'll see that baby. You'll see the the lady and that her baby. <laughs> You mean our Lord and Savior? <laughs> that baby. You'll see. Jeez. I'm just saying, like uh, in a nativity uh, scene, you know, you know what you're seeing, right? Right. Yes. But in Catalonia, there is a bonus feature. Is it aliens? You don't see in a lot of other uh, versions of the nativity. Um, it is called the the Caganeer. and uh, this figure is a uh, bare-assed figurine. <laughs> Uh, pooping in the corner. What? Yeah. What? So <laughs> in the nativity scene. Yeah. So usually he'll, they'll be off in the corner somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, but they are trow down mm-hmm. and 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 pooping. Now I don't know if generally there is poop involved <laughs> in this, yeah. or if it's just giving the idea, the imagery of like you know what he's doing. You you're squatting with your pants down, right? Right. right. Is that the fourth wise man who wasn't quite as wise? <laughs> Shemp. <laughs> the fourth wise man who wasn't quite as good as Curly. So the the three from the three wise men. Am I getting things confused? No, you're doing great. Thank you. The the idea is uh, that this figure in this region has gone back to the 18th century, but it's unclear why so many people have included this pooping figure in their nativity scenes. Um, There are those that think that he is a reminder that God will come in his time, regardless of whether his followers are ready or not. (laughs) Kind of like nature calls, you know, so does God. And he'll show up if you're pooping or not. Well, it says in the Bible, he'll come like a thief in the night. Anyway, that's the the (laughs) Caganeer, the the the. The pooper at the Uh, nativity. The holy pooper. (laughs) Let's talk now about... (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm done talking about the holy pooper, (laughs) frankly. Okay. In the same region, there is another tradition uh, regarding old Cagatio. And uh, it's one of the, the most highly anticipated traditions 
in uh, Catalonia and uh, Aragon uh, around Christmas time. So old Cagatillo will arrive on your doorstep in early December. It literally means pooping log. Now, no. what, what, now, what is going on here? The people that old Cagatillo uh, visits are expected to take him in and take care of him up until Christmas. It, basically, he's a, a log and he's usually got a blanket over him and he's got a smiling face on the front. So he looks from the front a little bit to me like uh, Thomas. Thomas the Tank Engine or oh, Thomas the, yeah, right, you right. know, that smiling train. Mm-hmm. And so he, this uh, <laughs> this pooping log here it shows up and the kids are supposed to be real nice to him. And they're supposed to feed him like dry bread or orange peels or beans. And then in the days before Christmas, they're supposed to take extra super good take care of him. Oh, so special and important. And the cockatiel, oh, we love him. They give him gifts and stuff uh, because if they're super nice to him, he will give them gifts on on Christmas. So if you've been really good, you, then you get out your sticks and you beat the shit out of him, <laughs> quite literally. Really? Um, so you beat him mm-hmm. and then he'll poop out your presents. The, really? The log will, will poop out your presents that are in. So you hit him with a stick. You've wow. been so nice. Wow. But then you hit him with a stick until he poops out your presents. And wow. then and then you sing a song. Th- Log of Christmas, poop <laughs> nuggets, pea white wine, don't poop herrings. They're too salty. Poop nougats. They're much better. Is that the rough translation? See, I was disappointed when I got a lump of coal in my stocking. Mm. No, it's because you didn't. You didn't hit your stocking with a stick. Apparently, I guess. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, you've got to you got to hit him with a stick and sing the song, and uh, and then you'll get some presents. Um, so wow, yeah, log of Christmas, poop nougats, pea white wine. Don't poop herrings; they're too salty. Poop nougats; they're much better. Sounds like a commercial on Japanese TV. <laughs> so that's the pooping log. Now, let's move on to Grilla. Um, you've heard of Krampus. Oh, of course. Okay, well, Grilla is kind of a Krampus-type vibe. Uh, but uh, she's also described in many different ways. She's called a giant. She's called a troll. She's called a witch. But we do know that she's the mother of the Yule Lads, which are 13 mischief makers that supposedly <laughs> visit on the 13 days of Christmas. Um, Grilla also has a husband named La Paulidui, uh, who is very lazy and mostly just lives in their cave and doesn't come out much. But Mm-hmm. There are oral accounts. The earliest written reference to Grilla, uh, whose name, by the way, translates to Growler. So that's uh, comforting. Mm. Uh, that goes back to the 13th century. But it wasn't until the 17th century-ish that they started associating Grilla, the cave troll, with Christmas. And you'll find lots of mentions of Grilla in uh, poems. And... Um, 
During Yule, Iceland's Christmas season, she will come down from her cave in the mountains to gather up ill-behaved kids and uh, put them in her bag so she can make them into stew. Well, that is festive. She's also got a Yule cat um, who is huge and lurks about the snowy <laughs> countryside. And he eats people who haven't received new clothes before Christmas Eve. Because <laughs> if you don't have new clothes, it's a sign that you haven't worked hard enough. I see. You're um, a bad person person if you're poor that's the lesson we're learning here it's not about you being poor though it's about if your family's poor it's really it has become a tradition in iceland to give gifts of clothing like socks and stuff uh, so that grilla and her cat won't eat you plus it's cold there Mm, it's true too yeah for sure the yule lads uh that i mentioned by the way sounds like a really bad boy band the yule lads yeah Shorty, it's Yule. Shorty, it's Yule. All right. So the Yule lads are the sons of Grilla and Lepilaudi. And they're, as I said, a group of mischievous pranksters. And uh, their names are somehow related to how they are pranky. Like the dwarfs? Yes, exactly. Okay, like right. grumpy and sneezy. and sure. Yeah, definitely bumpy. What was he, a leper? Well, <laughs> bumpy was a leper. He was the eighth dwarf who hung around with Shemp the fourth wise man. Those two knuckleheads. Let me tell you something. I like to party with them. Okay. Um, So the, but these pranky, pranky boys, uh, they would also leave small gifts in the shoes of children who would place their shoes on the windowsills. Was it poop? You know. No, uh, no, just little gifties, unless the child had been uh, badly behaved. and then Or they, had a shabby outfit. Yeah, oh, right. And then they, well, no, the shabby outfit relates to the cat and whether the Yule cat would eat you. I see. Um, in this case, if, in this case, so like at night, uh, instead of putting your stocking out, you might put your shoe on on the windowsill in mm-hmm. hopes that there would be a present in it. If you're good, you get a present from one of the mischievous prankster sons of the uh, cave troll. If uh, you were not good, you, you'd get a potato. Was it a carved potato? Unclear. Well, that's a ripoff. Well, I mean, I love potatoes, so... Would you eat a potato that came from a street urchin's shoe? Well, it would be my own shoe, so w- Were I'm, you a street urchin, though, at the time? I'd eat it if it had been in my Rothy's shoe. Machine washable, made of recyclable <laughs> all materials. All right, all right, that's enough. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> potato in the shoe. Uh, so then, uh, it just... So, you know, it, good news, there's also a song about Grilla. Here we go. Down comes Grilla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a sword in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of the children. <laughs> I'm sorry, let me try it again. Ugh. Coming to carve out the stomachs of the children who cry for meat during Lent. <laughs> So don't cry for meat during Lent. The end. That is another thing we've learned, that. And please <laughs> mend your clothing. Uh, you, you remember me telling you about uh, the Christmas truce of 1914? It occurred five months after the outbreak of World War One. Yeah. in Europe. Oh, yes, yes. It started with uh, the British troops in one trench and German troops in another on Christmas Eve. And they started singing Christmas carols. And pretty soon they were singing together. And then the men on Christmas Day left the trenches, went into no man's land, both the British 
and the Germans. Which is normally where you were for sure going to die. Yes. And they played football together all day. I can't even with that. And then at the end of the day, they went and got back into their trenches and then continued to kill each other. But for that one day, Christmas Day, they put their differences aside. They climbed out of their trenches. They went out into the middle of no man's land and they played football. That is a beautiful thing, but I cannot help but think that that would make it more traumatic for me if like I had to kill people that I knew the day before I was just like tossing the old pigskin around Mm -hmm, with. mm -hmm. That uh, that's a real bummer. Yeah, that's a real bummer. So that's all I have for you. Oh, um, goodbye. God. No, no, it is a real bummer, but it's it's so great that even for a moment, if we can put our differences aside. Well, it also says like, hey, you think maybe we could just stop doing this? Yeah, exactly. You think that we could just Christmas truce like the world? That'd be great. Come on, let's Christmas truce the world, y'all. God, again, that sounds like a terrible, like, 1980s celebrities <laughs> sing song. Like an ABC made-for-TV movie. Let's Christmas truce the world. All right, more heartwarming stories. More things that actually happened in life when people got along. I love it. Things that came out of disaster. For example... Now, during World War II in 1944, a guy named Fritz Venkman. Venkman? Venkman was just... I know, you had visions of Ghostbusters. (laughs) Venkman, in 1944, was 12 years old, and he and his mother, Elizabeth, along with their father, Hubert, moved to a cabin. Hubert was a baker for the German army, and he, he moved them to help protect them because the fighting was drawing nearer and nearer. This was during the Battle of the Bulge. On Christmas Eve 1944, Hubert still had not returned. Elizabeth tried to make the most of the situation. She made a Christmas meal. She had a few potatoes and a small chicken. Uh, suddenly, there was a knock at the door. Three American soldiers were outside. One of them explained that their friend had been shot, and they asked if they could come inside. This is according to an article in Ranker. Elizabeth agreed, and she had them place the injured soldier in a bed. She knew that harboring the enemy was punishable by death, but she was willing to take that risk to help them. The injured soldier had been shot in the leg. He had lost a great amount of blood. Mm. Um, Elizabeth and Fritz did everything they could to help. And a little bit after that, there was another knock on the door. This time it was German soldiers. Uh, One of the soldiers said that uh, he told him he'd lost his unit and needed a place to stay. And they agreed to have him come in, too. So essentially what happened on Christmas Eve, they took in lost and injured American soldiers, lost and injured German soldiers, and they spent Christmas Eve around the fire drinking and being friends. Oh, that's wonderful. Later that night, all the soldiers went outside. They looked at the stars and they each gave thanks in their own way. All the soldiers slept together that night. The next morning, German soldiers helped create a makeshift stretcher for the injured American. They also gave the American soldiers' directions back to their unit. That same day, Fritz and Elizabeth left with the Germans and were soon united with Hubert. So what a great Christmas story that is. I love that story. Isn't that really the spirit of Christmas right there? Everybody can put their differences aside for a day before they go back to killing each other. (laughs) It's so sweet. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. 
On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you mentioned Christmas Eve Big Macs. It's kind of a tradition that we do. We make vegetarian Big Macs on Christmas Eve. We've done this for how many years now? I would say 12. This is 12, I think. I think that's a fair estimate. But there are some really unusual holiday food traditions around the world, and you touched on that. So I found this a series of articles that were super interesting. And we were talking about getting ready for the holidays. And at work, I had mentioned that we had to get our Christmas shopping list done because we have Christmas Big Macs to make. And so naturally, one of my coworkers was like, a what? <laughs> and I had to explain that we do Christmas Eve Big Macs every year. It's our tradition. We make them at home. Uh, they're vegetarian. JG makes this amazing faux Big, faux Mac. Big Mac sauce yeah. that's incredible. I thought back to the series of articles that I read about unusual Christmas treats that uh, people celebrate with all around the world. Oh. And so I thought, what better time to bust this out than during the holidays. Let's so hear it. as I mentioned, much of this comes from NPR and their 12 Days of Quirky Christmas Foods Around the Globe, which is a series of 12 articles uh, that they did. Uh, also, Wikipedia. Here we go. For centuries, many people in Central Europe uh, relied on a simple main course for Christmas Eve dinner. It's not a Big Mac. It's <laughs> a carp. A carp. And the tradition goes that the Christmas carp must be caught or purchased live and then a day or two before being killed must live in the family bathtub, bathtub no for at least a day or two what about what if they only had like an upright shower stall <laughs> like in an efficiency apartment i don't know i don't know about the ins and outs of it maybe they'd get one of those baby tubs or like one of those kitty pools pools yeah okay, yeah gotcha so it becomes incredibly uh, difficult for people to bathe. I guess they <laughs> they don't. Uh, kids name them, and uh, the the fish just live in there. the The idea is that the fish swimming around in the clean water helps them flush the mud out from the fish's 
digestive tract uh, because carp are kind of a gross fish. They're bottom feeders. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea is like it'll it'll flush them out. Uh, word is, though, that does not work. It just messes up your bathroom fixtures. <laughs> it was also a practical way to store the fresh fish uh, before refrigerators were common. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like when they used to take live cows on boat trips sure. because that kept them, them as you need them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It kept the meat fresher longer. The carp were usually served breaded and fried. They also have a traditional cabbage soup that has a couple types of meat. And traditionally, the only other dish is potato salad, which I feel like more Christmas dinners should include potato salad. Every meal should include potato salad. I'm on board. Even breakfast. In Slovakia, this I thought was crazy interesting. In Slovakia, the holiday is steeped in superstition and symbolism. The table is set with all the foods for the feast before everyone sits down and then once everyone's seated no one can leave the table until everyone is done eating no one can leave to go to the bathroom no one can leave because they're choking on a stick that you cannot leave <laughs> what about cell phones are they allowed at the table can, can you be surfing the net traditionally yeah. no oh bummer but uh i hate old-timey christmas if someone does leave the table it means that there will be a death in the family before the next christmas <laughs> arrives that's nice and it might be you mr getting uppy pants families Happy holidays <laughs> families also sit an extra or set an extra place for an unexpected guest or a recently departed relative. Oh, cool. I like that. Which idea. I think is kind of nice. That is nice. Maybe not the departed relative because that's wasteful. But I like the idea of setting the table for an unexpected guest. Like a neighbor might pop by. Sure, or sure. I just love that sense, that idea that, oh, someone might want to take part in our holiday meal and we want to be ready for them. I want to feed a poltergeist. That I would be fun. <laughs> Then once that meal ends, everyone checks under the plate to retrieve fish scales from the, the bathtub carp. The scales <laughs> signify luck for the year ahead. People actually save them. They put them in their wallets and they carry them around until the next Christmas. I bet that smells delightful. Which is, I just think, adorable. I love it. What's that smell? I got carp in my wallet. I have carp to carp walleting. Oh, wow. That was a stretch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Okay. In Guyana... They have two meals that are traditionally served uh, around the Christmas time. One is called Pepper Pot. That's served on Christmas Day. It's actually the first course that they serve. And that's a, a stew of sorts that starts with tough beef parts like shanks, trotters, and tails. What are trotters? I'm afraid to ask. Is that the feats? Trot, trot, trot. I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. Um, and they benefit from a long cooking, of course, because they're so tough to begin with. So they're tossed with cinnamon and cloves from neighboring spice islands and peppers. Uh, pepper pot is then cooked on and off for days. In between stewing, it sits out on the stove at room temperature. So they put it on for a day or so. They turn it off. They let it cool, hang out. And just room temperature for a day or so. Mm. Cook it again for like two days. Room temperature, cinnamon-coated horse feet. Mm. No one said horse. Or whatever they are. So usually, obviously, that's not a good idea to leave the, <laughs> the meat pile out for room temperature for sure, a while. Sure. But 
There is a secret weapon in this dish, and it's called kasarip. And that's a thick sauce made uh, from the cassava root. It's one of the country's oldest traditional foods. And it's like a powerful antiseptic, which sounds delicious. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and that mm. helps keep the, the meat from killing you, which is good. Um, the second essential Christmas dish in Guiana is garlic pork, and that comes from a Portuguese culinary tradition. So as with pepper pot, it also has kind of a iffy preparation. The pork sits out at room temperature for weeks, uh-huh. uh, but it's coated in salt and vinegar, so it's okay. Oh, it's okay. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> but from what I read, um, after the, the two weeks in, in the brine, uh, the meat is fried, and it's impossible to keep in the house like the families just go nuts everyone just it's like it's a delicacy they don't do it a lot it's amazing and they mix it in with like their eggs and they they put it on other foods they mix it in with it's just delicious and amazing and they lose their minds so it's i think one of those things where the preparation because it's traditional because they've been doing it forever they don't even think about it but even if they did they wouldn't because it's tasty Mm, i suppose yeah there's a ratio that comes into play there. The more delicious it is, the more you're willing to forgive how horrifying what it is you're putting in your mouth. Exactly. It's like uh, it's like I've said about clothes. You know, I'll go into a store and I'll see a top and I'll be like, that top's ugly. No one's going to wear that. And then I'm like, oh, it's $3. Suddenly I'm interested. Yeah. I- <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Sure. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> you bought a $3 top when we were in Ecuador that has hot sauce bottles all over it. It's a tank top. You wear it all the time. <laughs> now let's talk about lefsy. This isn't a weird thing so much, but it is a Scandinavian treat that is especially popular around Christmas holidays. And many Scandinavian Americans brought this tradition uh, with them to the States and they they celebrate it sometimes at Thanksgiving, but mostly it's a Christmas thing. Okay. Now, lefsy are like a uh, like a soft tortilla, but it's made out of mashed potatoes. Go on. I know. <laughs> so um, I'm listening. They make the mashed potatoes. Uh, I guess modern day, a lot of people use the fake mashed potatoes, the the mm. um, dry mix, the, the powder. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it helps with texture a lot. But so they they make it, they prep it, they put it in the fridge so it cools. They mix it with a little bit of uh, some sort of fattening agent and maybe uh, hand sanitizer. Like butter. Oh, okay. Rather than hand sanitizer, a different kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Make a dough out of it, if you will. Flatten it real flat with a very special rolling pin that has grooves in it. And then fry it up. I am totally in. I am in. They're usually spread with butter and sugar. Sometimes they're rolled up with a bit of jam. It's cooked on a large flat griddle. There are specialty tools for making them. Family members often gather to cook these as a group effort uh, because the process is more enjoyable as a traditional holiday activity. So everyone gets together and they make just a ton of these and then you just eat them all day long. That sounds like a wonderful day. I'm so excited about adding this to our holiday traditions. We have so many traditions. I don't know if there's room. We're doing it. All right. In Greenland, uh, one of their holiday traditions is M-A-T-T-A-K. Matak? Uh, it's whale skin with a strip of blubber inside. And then kiviak, K-I-V-A-K. 
I-A-K, which is the raw flesh of uh, ox, which is uh, an Arctic bird. That that meat's been decomposing for a while, mm. buried in a seal skin for oh, several months. That sounds lovely. I'm going to stick with the potato tortillas. Mm. Thanks. Japan. Here we go. In 1974, Kentucky Fried Chicken took advantage of the fact that turkey is not readily available in Japan, and they started advertising chicken for Christmas in Japan. Now, Japan's not got a huge uh, Christian population, but they do celebrate Christmas as a prosperity celebration. I see. They're into like the commercial side of it, hardcore, and they have these specialty cakes that they make. They're like the white cakes with the red strawberries on top. You've mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. seen them. It, there's actually an emoji for it on your phone. But they don't have like a big meal thing. So KFC took advantage of this. The idea took off and it's become a real Japanese custom to eat KFC for Christmas. This is the only country where a fast food outlet offers a set meal for Christmas, which includes cake and champagne, along with the famous fried chicken. Even though you can order in advance, there are long lines waiting for uh, KFC on Christmas Day. It's it's become like a really traditional that's, part of many families. That's amazing. Christmases. And that was the earliest. Whose phone was that? It was my phone. Sorry. Sorry. Now, there should be some sort of, you know, whoever, whosever phone makes a noise during recording, the other one gets something. What would you like? Well, I don't know. Something pretty. Something shiny. <laughs> I'll work on it. Okay. Hula debts. The... Dish is mostly part of a winter holiday festive meal, but because refrigerations become a thing over the years and you can cook this all year round, it's not surprising to see these on the table at summertime, but it is considered a traditional holiday dish in Russia. Kholodets, which is spelled K-H-O-L-O-D-E-T-S. They're made by boiling pork bones and meat for about five to eight hours to produce a fatty broth. Uh, They mix that with salt, pepper, and other spices. And then the meat and the the juice there is separated, Mm -hmm. and the meat's minced into small pieces. And then they mix in kind of like a gelatin with the broth and then put the meat bits back into it and then let it set. So it's like a meat broth jello. Oh, wow. With bits of meat in it, with bits of pork floating about in it. Numb city. It can be made with uh, chicken also, but either way, you know, yeah. it's, it's jello j- with meat jello. M- meat jello. Yeah, it, which reminds me of our video that we made uh, with the, the vintage recipe with the aspic. Yeah, it was like ham and jello. It was turkey. Turkey and jello. That yep. was, yeah. Yeah, they made weird things back in the 50s. Yeah. Um, I actually got into a bit of a, that's why I was running late today. I got into a bit of a, a rabbit hole of uh, gross 50s meals that they, they did for parties, like yeah. shrimp. Christmas trees. Actually, in order to do those shrimp Christmas trees that you sometimes see in like vintage movies and stuff, they had to staple the shrimp to the the thing and it was gross. Anyway. Wow. That sounds like potential choking hazard. Yeah. It's not a good idea. No. Uh, Also, tuna Christmas trees, Hmm. which involves also a lot more stationary than I think you should be involved in (laughs) meal prep. (laughs) Were there staples also involved in that as well? No, but cardboard. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mm, 
No, yeah. thanks. I, no. I don't. No. No. I feel like, and this is a thing I think a lot of people do, like they want to make something to present at a party that looks amazing, but you have to think about what it's going to look like as people are eating it. <laughs> and if you're seeing staples yeah. and it starts to look like a massacre, don't, that's, no, make a different choice. Put it in a bowl. Honey, come on. We're going to be late for the party. I can't. I'm stapling shrimp. I'm a shrimp stapler. You know that, Carl. Carl's always trying to squash your your spirit. My holiday joy. <laughs> Damn you, Carl. Anyway, that's what I've got for. I want to make sure that that we understand that I'm talking about these with the highest regard um, because I do understand that they're traditional and maybe, you know, we have some traditional stuff that I don't dig into on the regs, but because it's traditional, you don't even consider that it might be kind of weird and gross. Like mincemeat. Mincemeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a meat pie and it's spicy. It's got raisins in it and meat. And we just accept it as well. It's part of the holidays. It's mincemeat. But maybe in some other part of the world, they're going, ooh, give me more carp. Right. I used to hang out with a family that put sausage in their stuffing. And I thought that was terribly weird. Hmm. And it also stole stuffing from me. Yeah, because it had sausage in it. And yeah, you know. I love stuffing. <laughs> no, I know you do, sweetie. I know you do. Well, I'm anyway. going to stick with the, uh, with, the, with the Big Macs on, the, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, up high. Okay, our, our vegetarian Big Macs that we make. They're really quite good, actually. You don't have to convince anyone. Well, I was just about to invite everybody over to our house for no, Christmas No, more for me. Okay, all right. I mean, I'll set one plate. One. One, that's it. But probably a poltergeist is going to show up <laughs> and eat your health. In. Do you know that we still haven't made Lefsa? Yeah, that's true. We have not. How ridiculous is that? Howard, get off my pillows. No, he loves it. Howard's he walks in his own pee and then he climbs up on the bed and gets on my pillows. Yeah. Get off my... Uh, Santa's going to leave nothing in your stocking, young man. That's not true. We got him <laughs> a couple of things. It just doesn't matter. So we had, we had Lefsa. Is that how you say it? We had it uh, at Epcot, didn't we? During the uh, Food and Art Festival. Well, that's two different festivals. There's the Food and Wine Festival, and then there's the Arts Festival. Isn't it Food and Arts? That's why they call it the Farts Festival? I think it's just the Festival of Arts. Oh, all right. Well, whatever festival. Didn't we have it there at Disney World? I don't remember. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to stick with our vegetarian Big Macs anyway. I love that tradition. If you guys want the uh, recipe for our uh, Big Mac sauce, (laughs) hit us up and we'll... We'll let you know what it is. We're happy to share. It's really very close to the original. We hope your holidays continue to be merry and bright and uh, be safe this week. There's going to be a lot of uh, people overindulging in alcohol and perhaps making mistakes like getting behind the wheel. So take a little extra caution. We want you to be safe and healthy for the upcoming 2023. Wow, that's a bummer. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) Happy holidays. Don't die. We'll see you next time. Until next time. Oh, you, yep. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. (laughs) Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. Howard, get off my pillows. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. 
we ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.